Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. So, we uh, wrapped up our series last week, the quest of um, God's... Uh, to have godly financial health. And uh, last week we laid out a big challenge. We laid out a big challenge of like, we don't want to just be a church that just survives and just, you know, shows up. We want to be a church that shows up and allows God to show up. And I can't wait to see and hear all the stories, the way that God's going to do that even more. And so we're going into um, a new series today and it's simply called Hard Words for Hard Times. And I have to tell you this, um, we all know that when you turn on the news, that's your first strike right there, right? When you look at the news, it's really depressing, isn't it? I mean, I would encourage you, I'm not saying be ignorant, but when you look at the news on, on the internet, on TV, you are going to walk away feeling like everything is horrible. Am I wrong? You know, you're going to feel like everything is just falling apart. And in some ways it is. I mean, th- that's just the nature of this world. Things are getting worse, and that gives us an opportunity. Number one, it gives an opportunity for Christians to shine. But it also gives us an opportunity to grow our faith and put God out there more and for Jesus to show up even bigger. And so it's what we're going to talk about is, yes, the reality is that times can be hard. And right now, you know, in our world, in our nation, things are a little bit tough. And so the cool thing about the Bible is, is that there are things that are written. It's not just this lofty high book, which there are some parts of that are high and lofty. and talked about the holiness of God and how he is so much bigger and more powerful than anything that we could understand, but there's also very, very practical things for what we're living in right here and right now. And so we're going to be looking for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a quick uh, run through 2 Peter. It, it, it's a book of the Bible that you might have just sort of glossed over a few times, you know, it comes right after 1 Peter, believe that or not, uh, and it, it deals with the church that's been scattered. It's been, it deals with the church that's been scattered because of persecution. And let me, let me go on record real quick and say this. I have been one of the first ones sometimes when, you know, the traffic light changes a little quicker than I like to be like... Dealing with persecution, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Anybody else ever been that, you know, emotional and dramatic before? You bunch of liars. You bunch of liars. You know, we think that when bad things happen to us, even if it's just an inconvenience, we think, oh, that's persecution. We don't know what persecution is, do we? You know, you might have been even laughed at for your faith, and that's a little bit of persecution, but there are people in this world that are literally dying because of their stance for the kingdom of God, and we need to be grateful that we have it so good and so easy that we could be here today. But I do want to say, I don't want to make light of your hardships. I don't want to make light of the difficulties. I don't want to make light of your fear and your concern. And that's why I love God's word, because it tells us what to do. These Christians needed encouragement that Peter was writing to. He called himself a a shepherd or a pastor of them. He was looking out for them, and he was sharing these words of encouragement. And I guarantee you, if you are breathing right now, you could use some encouragement. Am I right? We need some encouragement. Um, in September 2021, a guy by the name of Behan Mutlu, 
uh, was going for a walk in the woods, and he was walking around. All of a sudden, he came upon these crowds of people, and he realized really quickly that they were looking for someone that was lost in those woods. And so he jumped in. He wanted to do his part, you know, and he's walking along, and he's like, you know, I I hope we can find this person. He's scared. He's concerned, and he's from Turkey, you know, so they're in Turkey, and they're searching around. And all of a sudden, he hears one of the other people in the search party call out the name, Behan, Behan. He's like, that's really strange. That's my name. And then he walks a little further. He's looking and all of a sudden he hears Behan, Behan. And he's like, yeah. And everybody turns around and they were looking for Behan. You see, Behan had had a little bit of um, social lubricant. Everybody understand what I'm saying there? A little liquid courage. Everybody, you know, smelling while I'm stepping in there. Um, He had had a little bit too much to drink and wandered off in the woods. And then all of a sudden his family and friends started freaking out. And so they formed a search party. Fifty some people were out searching. Behan, where are you looking for? And the man joined his own search party. And, you know, he asked for the reward. No, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. But here's the thing. A lot of times we find ourselves searching for something or someone and sometimes even searching for ourselves and the sad truth is is that most of us end up searching in the wrong places. Um, I don't know about, I'm going to really show my age here, but there was a song back even, I guess, before my time or maybe in, when I was a very tiny little kid, but it was called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. You might remember that song? You know, I guess it's a hit, it's a classic, even if you're not old, you might know it. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. If you're not mature, you might still know that song. But I'll tell you how I know that song. I know that song because of Saturday Night Live more than anything. Eddie Murphy, yeah, Eddie Murphy used to be on Saturday Night Live, and he did a parody of the character uh, Buckwheat. And he sang, Buckwheat sings the hits, and that was one of the songs. And instead of looking for love, and that's the funny thing, is Buckwheat didn't speak really clear, and so he would sing these songs, and he was saying, Wook a Penub in all the wrong paces. You know, that was what he said. And so that's why I know that song. But most of us go around looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for something, searching for something, and we go around and we're looking for more in our marriage Sometimes we're looking for more in our career. We're looking for more in our relationships, our friendships. We're looking for more in in our self-confidence. You know, do you ever find yourself, some of you guys might have just overwhelming self-confidence. You might, but a lot of people don't. And so a lot of times we're going through life looking for more to feel like, when am I going to get to the point where I don't feel like the kid in middle school who's picked last for kickball? Can anybody relate to that? You're going around, you're looking, it's like, when am I going to develop the skill set where I can be confident walking into a room and not wonder what everybody's thinking as they look at me? You know, when when am I going to get what I'm searching for? And then other times people, honestly, it's so prevalent in 2023 especially, a lot of times people are looking for more in their mental health. Mental health is a real issue, isn't it? I mean, it seems like you can't turn on the news or you can't get on Facebook and and see and and not see somebody who didn't realize that more people cared than they thought. And people are searching. Even if you don't get to that point, people are searching for more when it comes to mental health. It's like, I just want to feel like myself again. And we can spend our entire lives searching for more and even 
even this. Even we as believers, we can spend our entire life searching for more in our faith. You know, think about it this way. Even as Christians, have you ever said something like this? If I just had this, this, this character trait, if I just had this gift, if I just had this fill in the blank, if I just had this, I could be a strong Christian like so-and-so. You ever thought anything like that? Some of you I see nodding your heads, you're willing to admit it. You know, if I just had, you know, his or her ability to talk to people, man, I could share my faith and I could be a strong Christian like that. If I just had the faith of, of her, I, I could, you know, I could really just, man, I could, I could give more, I could give more of my time. You know, if I, if I just, if I just had the, the simple, simple boldness of, of him, I could just do so much more for God's kingdom. And we spend our lives, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. But I, there's so many times I look at this person, I look at that person, and I'm just searching. I'm like, why don't I have what they have? I need something else. If I'm ever going to be effective for God, why don't I have it? Where is it? So what do we do? What do we do when we feel like we're missing something? You know, the sad truth is, is that when we do that, when we simply are looking at other people, looking for something else in ourselves that we don't think we have, it leads to comparison which doesn't lead to much growth. And it ultimately can lead to self-centeredness and it can lead to frustration and sadly even giving up in our faith. You know, Theodore Roosevelt famously said that comparison is the thief of joy. You know, when you just spend your time comparing yourself to someone else, even, even in something like your faith, comparing yourself is only going to steal your joy. Because here is something, and this, I won't, I won't charge you for this, you know. Some of us need to hear this. Everybody awake? Still got snow in your ears? <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Some of y'all need to hear that you are made by God for a purpose. The way you are. Now, I don't, want you to take, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I don't want you to say, well, my sin is my sin, and it's just my sin, and I'm never going to get rid of it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your sin. But your characteristics, your personality traits, your, just who you are, God made you, and he made you for a purpose. Everybody is not going to be the social butterfly out there in your face, and that's okay. Everybody is not going to be the studious, thoughtful person, and that's okay. We need everybody. That's why it's a body. Everybody's not a right arm. Everybody's not a left leg. Everybody's not a big toe, you know? You just don't want to be an appendix. I mean, you know, you don't want to just be, oh, what's your purpose? You just don't want to be that. But you want to know this. I need you to hear this. You are made on purpose for a purpose, and God wants you here and a part of his church. And not just God, but there are people around you that need you. There are some right arms that need your big toe self to hold them up straight. You know what I'm saying? 
There are some people here who need you, a lot of people. And you and I need to realize that comparison is the thief of joy. And if you spend a lot of your time and energy comparing and searching for more, can I share some really, really more important words with you? Stop searching for more and start living for more. Stop searching for more and start living for more. What I mean by that is this. You've got to stop searching for more in yourself and start living for more things that are bigger than you, God and other people. Because you will not find joy searching for more of you and more in you. You will not find it. The world is going to shout and scream, oh, you be you and you find you, you know, you blah, 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 blah. You lived your best life. That will never satisfy you. Only sacrificing yourself and living for Jesus, letting him use your abilities, use your talents, your gifts that he made, that's the only way you're going to find joy. Stop searching for more and start living for more that is bigger and better than you. And what Peter tells us here in 2 Peter chapter 1 is this first idea that I want you to really truly wrap your mind around. You have all you need in Jesus. So if you're searching for more, know this, you have all you need in Jesus. Here, here's the thing. Most of our frustration comes, as we said, from looking in all the wrong places. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. You can follow along in your Bible. We'll have the scripture on the screen here as well. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. And it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you hear that? By God's divine power, he has given us everything. Say everything. Everything that we need for living a godly life. Guess what? You are not missing. If you are in Christ, now that's, we're going to spend some time talking about that. If you are in Christ, you have, what's the word? everything you need to live a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence we need to wrap this around i mean wrap our brains around this go on to verse four and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I, I'm going to say it again because I know that you might be like me and you might be hard-headed and you might be half asleep because you lost an hour of sleep. You know, I don't know what's going on. But God has given us how much? Everything. If you are in him, he has given you everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. By coming to know him, it says. If you are in Christ, now that's the important question that you have to answer. And I'm here to tell you, you don't... And that's what we're going to talk about a lot over these next couple weeks as Peter writes to the church. But you need to know that you're in him. And if you are in him, you have what? Everything. I got at least one snicker out of that silly act. You have everything that you need in Christ. His great and precious promises. And I don't want you to miss just a little something in there. It says that you share in verse, uh, verse 4 it is. You share his divine nature. 
you get to have a, a taste of God in you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, God himself lives in you, and you get to be, you're not like little G gods, it's not that, there's some people that take that and run with that, that's not what it's saying, but you have the very presence of God, and you get to be a part of God's very nature, you become more like God by simply becoming a Christian, because what happens is Jesus died for you, he's buried, and he rose again, and lo and behold, you've got the picture here that we're going to talk about in just a second, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So also you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So the question is, where do we get that to share in that divine nature? And it goes on in verse 11 and in Colossians chapter 2. He says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. And in particular, translation I'm using, it's got quotes there because he's trying to make this metaphor here. But not a physical procedure. He's saying it's not the cutting away of flesh, the skin. But Christ performed a spiritual circumcision on you, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You see, you died when you were baptized into Christ. You die spiritually. Jesus is cutting away your sinful nature, it says, your old self, your old way of sin. He's cutting away. He's doing something spiritual. When you're lowered in those waters of baptism and you're raised up to a new life, you become new and you get to have this divine nature of God, the Holy Spirit living in you. Man, does that not get y'all fired up? That's good news, guys, because I can't do it on my own. I can't be good enough. I can't be better. You can't either. I don't care what your mama said. You ain't that special. But God, through his grace and his mercy, makes you more like him by your faith in him being buried in, with Christ in baptism and raised to a new life. You died because he died first. And so your death, joining him in baptism through your faith, makes you a new person a new creature, a new creation. Your old person has gone, your new person has come. That's good news. And we get to share in his good divine nature. But it also said there in our text in 2 Peter that you share, you escape corruption as well. Look at verse 13 in Colossians. It's neat. This is, you know, Colossians is written by Paul. Peter is written by guess who? Peter, good job. You're awake. You're paying attention. But they talk about very similar things here. Verse 13 in Colossians chapter 2. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So you were dead in your sin before you were baptized. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave us all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Man, I'm telling you what, you walk out scot-free, all charges, dismissed, dropped, paid for. The mind-boggling thing is that when we go to court, so to speak, we get to walk out scot-free because Jesus didn't walk away scot-free. And Jesus took the punishment that you and me deserved, and he paid that price. Man, I'm telling you, I, I don't, if, if y'all ain't fired up, I'm fired up enough for you. 
Because that is good news, is that Jesus freed us from the corruption. We are able to escape it because of what he did. So here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this. Stop looking for more in the world. Stop looking for more in your own faith even. And you hear me in this. You hear me in this. I don't want you to misunderstand me. But stop comparing yourself even in your faith to other people. Because you are you and you are not yet where they are. Now, you know, you might have some growing to do and you might become more like them, but I hope and pray they don't stop growing and they keep on going. So they're always helping lead the way and give you a hand up as you climb this ladder of faith and keep walking and moving closer to God. You are made to be in Christ and you have a purpose. Stop comparing yourself to others and you have all you need, everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. So here's the thing. Start living it. If you're not already, if you're not already, start living it. Stop searching for more and start living for more. The second thing is this, that Peter says, you are free to be about we instead of me. That's a mouthful. Did y'all catch that? You are free to be about we instead of me. And at first glance, as we talked about earlier, the world's going to try to tell you, no, you got to be about you. You got to be about me, 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 me. But the me monster is an ugly thing. And the more you're about me, the less other people like you. I hate to say it, but it's true. The more you're about me, the less other people like you. They might love you and they might even like you, but they're never going to be able to get to really know you because you're always worried about me. But when you're in Christ, you're free to be about we instead of me. And when you realize that all you have, I mean, you have all you need to live a godly life, it sets you free to stop focusing on yourself and start living for God and others. You don't have to measure up and you don't have to find a missing piece. And here's the thing. I said it already, but I've got to say it again because it has been a centuries-long teaching ingrained in our minds and our hearts. You'll never find joy being about me about self never never now some of you right now are thinking yeah but i'm different i'm different i've got to get to know me first i got to search for me first you will never ever find joy because the goalposts keep moving the target keeps changing but so here's what I want you to know the next thing I think Peter's trying to tell the church and I believe he's trying to tell us is don't just sit back and chill once you come into Christ listen to what he says next in verse 5 of 2nd Peter chapter 1 in view of all this he says everything he just said response promises set your faith Control, self-control, endurance with God, happiness with brotherly affection, affection, love for one. But there's some good stuff in there. What he says is, you have all you need, you have, to use the word we're using from the New Living Translation, you have everything you need, but keep adding to your faith. You've got all you need to live a godly life in Christ, but keep adding to your faith. And he lists off this long procession. He talks about moral excellence. Christians, we need to start living better. Our testimony can be blown apart because we don't try to become more like God in the way we act. 
We need to be different. We need to grow. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, that's the thing. Spiritually, you're buried and your old self is done away with. Jesus doesn't hold you accountable for that anymore. But the habit's still there. The sin wants to come back. And it wants to come back very rapidly. And a lot of times, it wants to come back more with a vengeance after you give your life to Jesus. But you need to learn to try to get rid of old habits and start adding good habits. He says to add moral excellence. He says to add to that, you add knowledge. Now, that's interesting. I don't know if it's completely uh, on purpose. I, I mean, I, the Holy Spirit wrote it, so I mean, I'm sure there's a big purpose to it. But moral excellence comes even before knowledge, he says. But then he says, add knowledge. So add your knowledge. Study the Word of God. We talk about this a lot at Movement. We've got a Bible reading plan that we try to do. It, it rotates right now. We're on one of the longest ones we've ever done. It's about 30 days, and we've got just a few more days of it. But I want to encourage you, challenge you, warn you, shout at you, make sure you read God's Word every single day. You cannot without the Word of God in your life. I don't have time. You do have time, dude. And I can say that because times in still I'm standing here shaking my fingers. I'm saying, I know here I've done that. I still struggle. But I heard from a lot of failure and a lot of success too that we got for every single day. And so we've got to add knowledge God if we're going to in our faith. And then he goes in verse 6, and knowledge and self-control. You need to start controlling this Man, our world is telling us all the time, you have no, you have no control. But it's really funny. That's very selective for people. Yeah, it's very selective, but we're called to control ourselves. He goes on and he says, uh, patient endurance, keep hanging on. If I could tell you one thing that's really, really important that maybe you don't think about a lot is a lot of living your faith out is just holding on. It's just holding on, being patient. Trust the timing of God and the provision of God and the power of God. And that, that's a skill, y'all, and you've got to learn it. And it comes, remember what they always say, don't pray for patience? <laughs> But you're going to have to. You're going to have to or you're never going to get it. You're never going to face the challenges that the world will throw at you. Then he says to that, add godliness. That's simply the idea of holiness being set apart. God is set apart. He's high and lifted up like we talked about earlier. We need to practice that of being different and noticeably different from this world. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's why it's a little farther down the list. But we need to be noticeably different than this world. And then he says brotherly affection. It's funny to me that that in Greek is literally Philadelphia. And if you know anything about Philadelphia, they're the ones that threw rocks and batteries at Santa Claus. Funny that that's their name, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. I wish Marty was here today. I get to make fun of him about being from Philadelphia. But the truth is, is that we need to practice brotherly and sisterly love. We need to be caring about people, others more than ourselves. And that takes work and effort. Not to just be surface about it. And then he tacks on love. And this word here is agape. And that's the idea sort of more of God-like love. And I believe that we need to understand that as sacrifice. 
because that's what God-like love is, is it sacrifices self so that other people can have what they need. And it gives the idea of benevolence or giving to help meet people's needs, all these things. So live your love, I believe is what he's saying. Live it, live it, live it. I think that's interesting because part of our mission and our vision here at Movement is we love, we serve, and we move. It's we keep moving until the neighborhood knows Jesus. We keep going. We get knocked down. We get back up and we keep pressing on. We fall back a little bit. We keep fighting to come back. We keep moving. Once you stop moving forward, the truth is you're moving backwards. There's no real standing still in your spiritual walk. You're either moving away from God or you're moving towards him. And that's why we all need each other. That's why we need our big toes and our, our right fingers. And we need, you know, we need all this stuff. We need each other to keep moving forward. So stop searching for more and start living for more. And then the third thing is this. You can be useful. <laughs> you don't have to be an appendix, as we said. You don't have to be an appendix, and you don't have to be this part of the body that you don't know what your purpose is. You have a purpose, and he goes on in verse 8 and says this, the more you grow like this, Peter says, the more you add these things to your faith, this long list we just said, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. I, I got to pause right there. I got to pause right there. How many times have maybe you been this or you seen somebody that fits this category? They're a Christian, but then they forget that they have been changed and they go back to their old way of life. They're not growing and adding anything in their faith. What does it say they become? Short-sighted and ultimately what? Blind. You don't see the needs of your brothers and sisters around you. You don't see lost people on the way to hell. You don't see needs that come up in your community. You don't see your neighbors as somebody who you need to love and serve and get to know. We just walk around blind because we've stopped adding anything to our faith and we've stopped growing. And the sad truth is, is that we can become short-sighted and blind, forgetting that we've been cleansed from our old sins and ultimately we can go back into those old sins and they can take us over and go on in verse 10. So... Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. But, but I thought I didn't have to do anything. I, 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 want, I want plan B, Christianity. I want to get baptized and then chillax, to use a 90s word. I don't know too many people that say that out loud, but... I'll tell you one thing, I lived that life for a while. Oh, I, I, a cross? You mean a little gold one? Carry that, right? No, the cross. Because when you come up out of the waters of baptism, what we really spiritually handed is a cross. And we're called to carry that cross. And he says that you and I need to know, work hard to prove that you're really among those God is calling. You're saved by nothing that you do. 
by the grace of God, through your faith in him, when you're baptizing him, you're made new. You don't earn that. No, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with you other than your surrender. You know, you're acknowledging God. You're coming to him. That's all it is. You don't earn it. But then he says, once you are saved, start living like it. Start living like it and prove to people that you are different, that you're called and you're chosen. He says, going on in verse 10, do these things and you will never fall away. One of the closest apostles to Jesus said, do this so that you don't fall away. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time this week talking about that, but there are a lot of people who have been fed a lie that says it doesn't matter what you do, how closely you follow Jesus or anything like that, you can never, ever walk away from your faith. Now, I will say this. I don't believe that you can be walking along and you're trying your best to live for Jesus and the devil's like, and you're like, spiritually, no, no fault of your own. But I do believe that you can get so nearsighted and blind and caught up in your sin, you forget that you decide you're going to walk away from God. And God does not make robots. He does not make people follow him. Otherwise, this would all be over and we would all be in heaven right now because he would just make everybody follow him. But we have a choice in the matter. And one of the closest apostles, uh, closest apostles to Jesus himself says, make sure that you do not fall away. If you do these things, you won't fall away. And he says in verse 11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And man, that's what I'm living for, and that's what I want you to live for. That's what I want more people to live for. That's why we talked about last week about leaving a legacy of Jesus in this world, is that's why we give, and that's why we serve, and that's why we love, and that's why we move, because we want more people to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with a grand entrance. And when you start focusing on God and other people, you'll be productive and useful, he says. So I want you real quick, we're, we're wrapping up. I want you to use your context clues here for a second. Remember those? When you're focused on self, what does that make you? If you, if you kind of read the whole passage there, if not focusing on those selves makes you, um, or if focusing on those things makes you useful and productive, what does that make you if you're not doing those things? unuseful and unproductive you're useless and so we need to stop focusing on self and we need to start focusing on others and we will absolutely be miserable unless we focus on God and other people here's an idea that I want you to sort of tie this up with in your minds saved people are useful and productive they're useful and productive faithful people are useful and productive. If you're living for more, you won't have to worry about falling away. I, I was reading in the Gospels this morning, Jesus' final week of his life as he's heading in and out of Jerusalem each day. He goes up to a fig tree and it's in full bloom and he's like, oh, you know, I mean, it should be bearing figs. And he goes up to it and what does he find? No figs, no fruit. And he curses it. And it, it dies and withers immediately. And the next day, the disciples see that, and they're just stunned because he's like, look, you look like you're bearing fruit. You look like you're going to be providing something. You've got all the right answers. You act the right way. You do the right things. You do the churchy stuff, so to speak, to kind of translate it into our modern times. You do all the right things, but you're not bearing fruit. You are. And then you'll be able to have a grand entrance into the kingdom, the eternal kingdom. 
you know what I want to hear more than anything in this world? You know what I want you to hear more than anything in this world? People watching online. I want to see Jesus. And I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. And that's what I want you to want for you. But it doesn't happen unless we keep growing and keep moving. Today we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And if there's something on your heart, I hope and pray that you will not leave here the same, that you will add a little something to your faith so that you can be productive and you can be useful for the kingdom so that you can bring as many people with you as possible when we enter into that grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven, that eternal kingdom, and we'll get to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. What do you need to do today? Stand safe. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.